if you want to be recognized in the ring. Champions aren't made, you know, just in a moment when, when, when the referee raises their hands. That's not when a champion is made. A champion was made in training camp. A champion was made, you know, in the years of struggle and sacrifice. I, I, I was doing video for 20 years before I felt comfortable to hit the ring. Welcome back to the Started Somewhere podcast. I'm your host, Ross Alex. Now today, my friends, we're on episode number 19, and I have a rock star advertising expert joining us all the way from Mesa, Arizona, and his name is Nicholas Ayers. Now, Nicholas has been in the game for quite some time. He runs a company called Made You Look Video, where he teaches clients how to produce top quality, high converting YouTube advertisements. It wasn't always like that for Nicholas though. In fact, he got started working as a process server in Oakland, California, driving around sketchy neighborhoods, serving papers to people for just 10 bucks a piece. That's right. Really, really tough times for Nicholas, but he knew that he wanted to make a change. He knew that he had to make something happen and that's where he turned his craft into a business. In this episode, Nicholas shares with us how to create the best YouTube ads, why you need to be focused on advertising on YouTube if you're running a small business. He talks about the steps to get started. And of course, he shares with us about his journey, the ups, the downs, the challenges, and of course, the juicy stuff. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, all right. Nicholas, welcome to the show, man. What's going on, Ross? Thanks for having me. Hey, brother. It's a pleasure to have you here, man. I got to say, I love the shirt, man. For the video <laughs> watchers you. on YouTube, make ads, not bombs. <laughs> that's right, that's, baby. That's fire, man. Woo. I can't take credit for it. This is a, this is a shirt by my, one of my very good friends uh, in the marketing space. Uh, his name is Tim Shermack. Uh, we share a very common uh, belief in that uh, advertising is the sign of a free, a free society. If you want to see a, a society that's not free, uh, take you know your, your your extreme example like North Korea, where they have no advertising, there's no choice. You know, people have no decision on what they can and cannot do. They're told what they can do. You know, they have no freedom. But you come to you know a place like America, you know, where you have choice galore. The idea is that where there's more advertising, there's more choice. Therefore, there's more freedom. And so. Mm. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's just kind of a, a, a unique way of, of looking at, you know, marketing. I like it, man. Talking about North Korea, there's some uh, speculation that their leader is in some serious trouble, man. So they say, I mean, he could po- possibly already be dead. I think he's got the Rona. So uh, he, uh, yeah. he, he might, he might have the Rona. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, who knows, but I mean, it's hard to say, I think I saw something, you know, if you look at him like on a picture, the guy almost looks like a perfect circle. It's just hard to uh, <laughs> to picture people in that body shape. Uh, you know, and I'm look, I'm no Adonis myself, but you know, it's hard to imagine people in that body shape surviving very long, no matter who they are. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of speculation, and you know, if if he really was to pass, what would happen with their regime? Right? They say his sister or something would step into power and start running the country. Yeah, I guess, I guess there's, knows no, what that there's would no shortage. Like. There's no shortage of those. Uh, uh, there's no shortage of them. I guess over there, who knows? But uh, whoever it is, I mean, again, let's make more ads and less bombs, and just you know, let's uh, as long as long as you know, we can maintain some some relative level of peace. That's my boom. Hope. I love it, man. I love it. Well, dude, pleasure to have you on the show, Nicholas. I know you've been doing some amazing things in the advertising space. I'm really excited to chat with you because I'm in the marketing space myself, and I love to learn about new strategies, new tactics to get more attention, more engagement. Because we all know, man, the social space today, especially if you're selling digital product, it is tough to get attention. It is tough and it is expensive uh, if you don't know what you're doing, right? So for the listeners that aren't familiar with your work, would you mind to just give us a quick overview of what you've been involved with recently? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I uh, what I do is I... I focus my time and attention and my personal bias towards Google ads. So whenever you think of the term internet marketer today or just marketer, you know, the mind automatically for, for a lot of people goes to things like Facebook ads or, or things like that. For me, my preference and my strong, my strong point is actually video ads 
on Google, which is translated as YouTube ads. So I'm a big proponent of YouTube ads. So I, 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 I make YouTube ads. I show others how to make YouTube ads. I work predominantly in the financial services niche. So we have a lot of people in the real estate world. We have a lot of people on the mortgage side. We have a lot of people on the insurance side, kind of your brick and mortar to local small business, showing them how to use video, which is, I, I believe is the most emotional medium that you can, aside from us sitting down together over, over a pizza and, you know, shaking hands. I mean, there's nothing that's really better than, than, than what we're doing here. And so uh, using an emotional medium like video, combining it with the power that Google knows about us. I mean, Google knows everything there is to know about you and me. I jokingly tell people all the time that Google, you know, the Illuminati is more, is afraid of how much data that, you know, Google knows about them. And so, you know, Google is essentially your daddy. And so being able to pair emotional communication like video with intelligent data that Google has on you to communicate a message, I think is one of the best ways, most untapped ways that the business owners aren't and not enough business owners are leveraging. And so that's what we do. We focus on YouTube ads. We focus on showing other people how to use YouTube ads. Dude, that's, that's really interesting, man, because personally, I haven't ran YouTube ads yet. And, and yeah. I've done my fair share of advertising. I've, I've done Facebook ads, obviously Instagram as well. And I've done uh, Google text ads. Sure. But I haven't actually created a, a proper YouTube ad that has gotten me results. And I think the biggest thing for me is not knowing how to grasp attention. Yeah. Because for me as a consumer, right? I mean, we're all consumers. When I go on YouTube and, I'm, and I want to watch a piece of content and I get an ad, I can't wait to skip the thing. But right. there is a very, very uh, certain circumstance that happens, you know, every so often where I see an ad and it captivates my attention. I actually watch the ad. And yeah. I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing, right? That's fine, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good ad. So... Let's let's talk about that, right? With video ads, how many times would you say people, or how often rather, do you say people create the wrong type of YouTube ad that just gets skipped right away? Like people are like, nope, skip, skip, skip. Yep. So I'll tell you what it is. What well, I'll tell you what it is for me and how I judge a good ad. And so Google gives me an, uh, a way to track this. And for me, I know I have a really solid ad if I can get one out of four people to watch it. So I'm okay with the three skipping it. If I can have 25% of, of the people that I show the ad to, to watch the ad and let's define what a watch is, a view. A view, which is only what you pay for on Google, is when someone watches 30 seconds or more of the video. So if you skip the ad, if, if, you, if you see an ad and you just skip it immediately, the advertiser, the advertiser doesn't pay a dime for that. You know, you're only paying as an advertiser when someone watches 30 seconds or more, or they click to go over to whatever the, the website is or the landing page or whatever it is that you're doing. So for me, I judge an ad's effectiveness if I can get at least one out of four people doing that. And people will say, Nick, you know, why don't I just advertise on other platforms? You know, uh, YouTube has that skip ad and, you know, button and people are just going to skip it. I tell them all the time, you know, and I know people who are listening can't see this, but, you know, I'll hold up my phone and I'll say, does, does Facebook have a skip button? Of course it does. It's called my thumb and I just scroll right past it. And so mm -hmm. at least with YouTube, I'm able to, to get, you know, six seconds before they can skip it to where I can hook them or I can, I can say something that's going to grab their attention. I can have a visual hook and a, 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 a hook with my words, something that's going to, if I'm doing it right, grab them and, and really get them to want to pay attention. And that's huge. And if they skip it, great. But if they watch it, then I'm, I'm really getting in front of people who are, if they're not asleep at the wheel, they're really showing levels of intent and they want to know more about what it is I'm doing. So if I'm working with somebody in the real estate niche and they're trying to promote a listing, they're trying to promote their brand or their service, and they're really trying to get in front of the right audience and they're positioning themselves as the authority, as the expert, the person of status, the person that you want listing your house or the person you want to sell your house or, or, or the mortgage person or the or insert profession here. If you're doing it effectively, then you're going to be doing it at a rate that where if people skip it, that's fine. But you have that moment of opportunity where you have the ability to really hook them into your message and the right people that want to come through the funnel, the right people that want to come to the, 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 the campaign will. And those that don't, that's fine. I'm okay discarding the people that don't want to do business with me. I only want to do business with those that want to do business with me. And YouTube ads is a great platform to, to effectively do that. Mm. Especially being that, I mean, YouTube is one of the, 
hottest websites in the world, right? If not, well, I mean, like b- top billions, five. Billions of hours of content get consumed every single day. And people will say, well, Nick, yeah, half of those people are watching cat videos. It's probably true. So let's just, let's just say it's half wrong and 500 million hours of content are watched every single day. YouTube is the number two search engine in the world owned only by the, or outpaced by only the number one search engine in the world. It's owned by Google. And so when you're able to have kind of Google squared, kind of, you know, feeding data to, to, to you as an advertiser to where you can effectively get in front of them. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing better for it. People use YouTube really for two main reasons. They use it for entertainment because they want to go and they want to watch something that is entertaining. And then they want to use it for infotainment. You know, they, they go there and they want to search for something. They, they, they search for how, how can I, should I, can I, how does it, you know, and then they're typing in something after that. And so people are using it to learn. They're using it to watch engaging, compelling content that is going to teach them something. It's going to show them something. And so for people who, who, who scoff at the idea of advertising on YouTube, I mean, Personally, I'm okay with it because it keeps my ad costs down. But, uh, you know, you really, if you're a business owner who's serious about growing your brand and growing your business, really growing your bottom line, it's a platform you really can't uh, just, you know, not think about. Mm. I 100% agree with you. Um, and and, and a, few, a few follow-ups to what you just said. So I've seen some ads on YouTube, for example, mm-hmm be like unavoidable right? right in fact we were we were just we were just talking uh <clears throat> offline here about some of those ads that are just in your face all the time like on every single video yeah for somebody out there who hasn't ran youtube ads yet what does that look like to get like an ad that's on the content that you want it to be on very very frequently right for example, um, I'm sure you've seen these uh, these Wikibuy ads right now. Like they're sure. all over the. You can't avoid these ads. Right. But they're good ads, right? Like they get your attention. So, like, what does it look like to create an ad like that that's just unavoidable uh, in in ad spend? Yeah. So, really depends. I mean, it really depends on how big the audience is. So, if you're trying to target a, a local audience, let's say you're in Sandusky, Ohio, and there's maybe. T- 30,000 people in the town that really are, are people that fit your ideal customer demographic. Well, you can get in front of them a lot more easily and, and your frequency a lot higher with a smaller ad budget, right? Because there's only so many fish in the pond. Let's say you're trying to go from California to Maine and everywhere in between, and you have a much broader customer base. Well, in order for your customers to have to see that ad continuously, you're going to have to spend a lot more money. So if you're selling a product, or if you're selling like a, like a service or a course or an info product, you're going to have to spend likely more money than the brick and mortar who is maybe only trying to attract people within a 20, you know, 20 mile radius of his front door, his or, his or her front door. And so, you know, your ad spend levels are going to, are going to depend greatly. But again, here goes, here goes back to the thing. If you see that ad all the time and you're always skipping it, you're always skipping it, you're always skipping it, you're always skipping it. Well, if they've done it right, then there's no cap on the amount of impressions that YouTube is going to show or Google is going to, you know, use to show you that ad. It's only when you've watched 30 seconds or more or you click to it, maybe there's a cap. These are all settings within the ad creation. But again, impressions are free. Impressions don't cost a penny. And it's only when someone watches that video for 30 seconds or more. And I tell people all the time, if you, yeah, I mean, if you've, if you've got a pitch, you've got 30 seconds of free airtime to pitch them before it costs you anything. And your average cost per view might be anywhere from $0.04 cents to six cents to eight cents, you know, maybe give or take a, a few pennies here or there, but you can do it relatively inexpensively at scale, com, you know, when you compare it with other ad platforms right now. You know, Facebook ads are expensive. They can be, they can be really expensive. Your cost per thousand impressions, your CPM, you know, that can be a really high number 30, 40, $50 CPM, meaning for every thousand times they show the ad, it's 50 bucks or whatever the case is to you. You can see much lower numbers on YouTube because again, it's uh, a platform that not many people are advertising on. And again, you're only paying for the view. Mm. So what do you think, by the way, a company like Wikibuy is spending right now on YouTube ads? Give us a number. Um, yeah, I mean, they're probably spending any, you know, anywhere on an annual basis, seven, you know, definitely seven figures and above. 
I manage and I work with clients who, who spend probably two or $3 million a year just on YouTube ads. That's not counting what they do on Facebook. That's not counting what they do on Google search. That's just what they do on YouTube. So you have companies that will spend a lot of money. For me, I see different ads all the time. For me, I see Grammarly because, mm. you know, Google knows I suck at spelling and punctuation. <laughs> uh, and so I see those ads all the time. And they're probably spending upwards in the seven and eight figure range on Google ads. And so you have companies that are dumping a lot of money in there because they see the opportunity. And then you have other, you know, small businesses or other entrepreneurs who are getting away with seeing great ROIs and great results. And they're only spending maybe three, $400 a month. And so it really depends on the product or service. It depends on who your customer is and how many fish are in that pond and how much you really want to haunt them. Um, you know, I don't, I don't tell people they shouldn't use platforms like Facebook or direct mail or whatever the case might be. I tell them they should use all of them and they should haunt their customers, their prospects until they either buy or they die. I mean, you, you're not going to see results unless you are consistent with showing yourself to your audience. And this is just another great way of doing it. Mm. I mean, dude, I, I agree again with everything you're saying. It's like the modern day TV commercial, right? Sure. Like companies spend millions and millions of dollars to have ads run on television, right? Instead of, well, they're still running TV ads, but yeah. more and more huge companies are spending money on video advertising. Uh, yeah. And I know we're talking about YouTube specific ads, but I'm also seeing TikTok going really deep on, on ads, like yeah. huge companies spending, spending money on ad campaigns. And, and also yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Twitch, right? I'm a big Twitch watcher. And one thing I, I dislike about Twitch. Okay, cool. One thing I dislike about Twitch is there is no ad skip button, right? You, you literally have to sit there and watch the ad. And if you back out, and try to like go like trick it you'll it'll just keep playing the ad there's over. no game in the system right? yeah you'll just get stuck in this ad loop but of course like the demo on twitch is a lot different than youtube like you're not searching for specific content so the, the algorithm knows which ads to show you what is your opinion on twitch ads right now my opinion on twitch ads is the same opinion i have on all ads if that's where your customers are at that's where you need to be mm. for some companies they would thrive on TikTok. They would thrive on Twitch. Some companies, maybe not so much, right? And so you only have so much time. And for the most part, you only have so much money to spend on ads. You should make sure that every punch you throw lands or, mm. or more punches land than miss. And so you need to be where your customers are at. For some people, I tell them Instagram ads are probably the best ads that they could run. For some, I'd say they're probably the worst ads, right? And so it just really, the thing about platforms like YouTube is you have a wide variety of all, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just a bigger platform. It just is. Same with Facebook. Facebook is another, you know, you should be doing Facebook ads, but you should spend your time focusing on where your audience is located and then making the message to them because that's all marketing. And all marketing is, is right message, right time to the right person on the right place. And so if you, if you can knock out more of those things, then you're fine. You know, you're going to have success. And so I think Twitch could be a great platform for certain people, just like YouTube is a great platform for certain people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, more and more young people watch YouTube as, as, you know, for television or just video than they do consume, you know, uh, cable news or, or things like that. And, you know, you brought up a good point. You know, it's the same as like TV commercials. How much money does it cost to, to make a commercial for the Super Bowl? Just, just in general. Millions. Millions of dollars. Yet, I can run an ad during the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I, could, I can effectively target football-related content that people who are, you know, interested in the Super Bowl are watching. And I can show ads to those audiences. And so you can, it's a, it's a great hack to do it for to get in front of a, uh, the same size audience, if not a bigger audience, people who are entering the buying economy, meaning they've got money to spend disposable income and they're looking to spend money and you can do it at a fraction of the cost. You know, the two of the things I focus on a lot, Ross, is uh, uh, in working with people is insurance and mortgage and real estate. The three most competitive search terms on, on Google. I mean, if I were to run a Google search ad, I'm looking at 30 to $50 a click to run that ad. 
But with YouTube, it's a hack. I can get clicks to my landing page or my website for, for less than a dollar or for less than $2. And so it's a much easier way to kind of hack that relevancy using an emotional medium that they, you know, that they're already consuming. And that's why I think it's important. So you, to answer your question along, you know, focus on where your audience is at and, and make the message that's going to fit them on that platform. Boom. I could literally talk about this for hours because I'm such a marketing nerd. Uh, this is, of course, the Started Somewhere podcast. So we do want to share your story and how you got into this field. But I just have a few more questions for you, man. For sure. So about two years ago, three years ago, I get this email from, uh, from Google, right, that they're going to come out, they're going to send a producer, and they're going to shoot a video ad for me and then give me $100 in ad credit to run the ad on YouTube. Nice. I'm thinking, what? this is phony baloney. Like, there's no way, sure. right? I'm down in Houston, Texas at the time. I respond, I schedule, and somebody actually showed up, like a freelance video videographer, and they actually even write the copy for you, and they shot like a full-blown advertisement for me and then sent it to me within like 24 hours. High-quality shit, dude. Nice. I don't think they do that anymore. I don't know if like Google had like a realization like, okay, this isn't doing what we wanted it to do. But <laughs> like it, it, was, it was a great ad, by the way. Um, but that right there really helped me overcome the – challenges of creating like a video ad because video ads i mean especially high performing video ads on youtube are not created in like five minutes like they require like you know proper equipment proper lighting proper copy like the message it, that's from my from my perspective i could be totally okay. wrong here but i know that a lot of people out there share that same mindset they see an ad like grammarly or wikibuy and they're like oh shit like I don't have the production value to create an ad like that. Like, I don't have the skills to write copy like that. Like, what would you tell the person that's interested in doing ads, but they don't know how to go about doing it? I'd say that uh, you're, it is, you're right. It is a mindset uh, that people have, and it's sometimes it's the wrong mindset, and it's what keeps them from implementation. And let me tell you something. I don't care what you're trying to do in life. If you don't implement, if you don't execute, if you don't take action, you see zero results. Boom. That goes for what you, if you want to, uh, you know, lose weight, if you want to make more money, if you want to be more desirable to the opposite sex, if you don't implement, you see nothing, you get nothing. Now, when it comes to production value, I, I have all this stuff in, in my home office here, and I use none of it really for ads. The only thing I really use for ads is my cell phone, for the most of my ads. I tell people all the time, if it looks like an ad, it gets treated like an ad. You want to make sure that more people see your ad and they don't skip it. And you get more, you get closer to that one in four, one in three people watching your ad and being hooked with it. Then put, put, put less emphasis in the video aspect of your marketing and put more emphasis on the marketing aspect of your, of your video marketing. What I mean by that is instead of worrying about what kind of camera you have or what kind of lights you have, I have this stuff because I'm a hobbyist because I don't go golfing, right? And so instead of spending money at the golf course or at the club, right, now I spend money at B&H yeah, Photo because it's a hobby. But you don't need those things to be effective in your advertising. You don't need those things to be effective in your clear messaging, in your, in your positioning as a brand or as a company. All you need is you need to focus on the marketing aspect, which is the offer, which is the script. And people will think, well, I don't know how to write good scripts. Sure you do. Sure you do. Take the, take the 10, your 10 best customers, take the reasons and evaluate why did those people buy from you? Why specifically did your best customers buy from you? Take the people that you wish were your customers and figure out why didn't they buy from you? What was the common thread? And then speak to that. Speak to the emotional reasons why people make buying decisions, because that's really what it boils down to. People are going to buy from you. I don't care what you're selling, whether it's blue jeans, whether it's bubble gum, or whether it's private islands in the Bahamas, people are going to buy from you based on emotional reasons. Then they're going to take those emotional reasons and they're going to use logic to justify them. 
give you a case in point. I can go out tomorrow, well, maybe not tomorrow right now, but I can go out, you know, sometime soon and I can buy a luxury vehicle. I can buy, you know, just a really nice top of the line sports car. And I'm buying that likely because there's an emotional reason. I want a higher level of status. I want people to recognize me. I want people to see that I've obtained something. I want people to see that I'm valuable. I'm, there's all kinds of reasons. And none of those reasons are wrong. I'm just telling you those are, there are reasons emotionally that we buy things. And then I'm going to justify it. I'm going to come home and I'm going to show my wife and she's going to be pissed that I've, you know, that I've now signed us up for a $900 a month car payment or whatever the case might be. And I'm going to tell her, babe, all I need is one customer to pay for it. Right? I use logic to justify what I did emotionally. And we do that on everything. We do that on everything that we buy from real estate to uh, you know, who we marry a lot of times. We, we make decisions based on emotional reasons and then we justify it with logic. So what you need to do if you want a good ad is screw the, the camera stuff. I like it because, again, I'm a, I'm a dork. But you don't need to do that to make effective YouTube ads. You just need to know who your audience is and you need to speak clearly and plainly to them. I tell people all the time that people will, will move in the direction of whatever is made most clear to them. Nobody wants to walk in the direction of a cloud. Yeah, I have a good friend, one of the lines he says, and I, and I steal it from time to time, is, is nobody wants to be the first person to find out that berries are poisonous. So whatever you do, you've got to make it clear. You've got to make it simple. And if you do that in any form of your advertising, whether in your copy, in your script writing, people, your right audience, the people that resonate with it, will take more, will take, you know, will pay more attention to it. You've just got to figure out what those reasons are. And you can't talk like some brain dead, you know, laborer in your field. So if you're, if you're in the mortgage field, you can't talk to people like they're in the mortgage field. If you're in the insurance field, you can't talk to them like they're in the insurance field. You've got to talk to them like you're one of them because that's what they're going to understand. And if you do that, you will have better ads because if it looks like an ad, guess what people do? Buyer shields go up, they skip it. But if you are compelling, if you cut through the noise, and this is one of the things I tell people on YouTube ads is they're so used to seeing ads from Southwest Airlines. They're already used to seeing ads from T-Mobile. They're already used to seeing ads from, you know, these repurposed TV commercials. The best way is to cut through the noise and to get their attention. You have to do something that they're not used to seeing. You've got to throttle them a little bit, take them off their, their path. And in that regard, you'll get more attention. Well, let's talk about the perfect ad, right? How long should the perfect YouTube ad be? Uh, there's, no, there's no perfect length. Um, what I would say is if you're doing things correctly, your ad is probably on average going to be anywhere from a minute 45 to two and a half to three minutes. Okay. Anywhere in between. So, One of the things that we talk about is okay. we talk about frameworks and we talk about, you know, you, each ad should have certain components in them. So you should have a part in there in the beginning where you are talking about the offer right? Because that's what they're going to be forced to see. You want to hook them with a really good, solid offer that makes them want to pay more attention. You should qualify people, which means you should say, this is, you know, this is perfect for anybody that, or whatever the case might be, you need to qualify. And by qualifying, you're automatically telling the people who don't qualify to get out. Mm. You should have a level of proof. You should have testimonials in there, proof of concept, proof that what you're saying in this offer is true. You should educate people, and then you should have a pitch and a call to action. You should have all these things in an ad, and if they take five seconds to get to, great, but they're probably not going to. And so on average, a minute 45 to three minutes is normal. Okay, so a minute 45 to three minutes for the actual ad. Mm -hmm. And if somebody's brand new, how mm -hmm. long can they expect to uh, time to put into creating their ad? Well, again, if you're using from start to finish, start to finish. So, I mean, it, it will assume that the person who has never done this before is probably uh, not, they're not a practitioner of writing scripts and thinking about their audience and thinking about their offer. And so from that, you should probably spend a little bit more time. And it's like anything else, you know, if, if I were to try to go out and, 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 you know, run a 40 yard dash, I'm, I'm probably not going to have so much success the first time I do it. Right. So you're going to writing good scripts and writing good copy comes with practice and being a practitioner. So you should probably, you know, if you're, if you're just focused 100% on this, it's probably going to take you a few hours to come up with good offers because you're going to probably want to, you know, balance it off of people. You're going to probably want to get some feedback. And so 
you know, you should probably spend a few hours, rightfully so, on writing your script and then filming it. That's going to be the easy part. And you can hire people to edit for you. And so start to finish, I mean, you should probably spend on your very first ad. I mean, if you're serious about this, you should probably have a couple days where you've invested in just really making sure this is good. Not second guessing yourself totally, but getting feedback, getting, getting critiques, uh, filming your ad, having it edited and putting it on YouTube. So, you know, it's probably gonna take a couple days. And as you get more and more used to it, that practice gets quicker. You know, you can, uh, you can run the 40 yard dash a lot faster after you've done it, uh, uh, you know, a number of times. Boom. And so that's, that's how I would tell people to, to think about it. I love it, man. Yeah. Um, and of course, for the people that want to get on the fast track, there are agencies out there that actually do kind of like a done for you service, mm-hmm. which if I'm not mistaken, you actually help people create YouTube ads. Uh, tell us, tell us about that. Like, do you have like a, like a program or yep. is it less like a, a done for you agency? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it is a training program and an ongoing consultation uh, guidance program. It's called major look video marketing. Our website's www.madeyoulookvideo.com, madeyoulookvideo.com. And, uh, you know, what we do is we, we show business owners who predominantly have no experience with any of it. We show them, we take them from a point, a foundation of not knowing anything, and we graduate them to a place of proficiency when it comes to offers, script writing, and YouTube ads. Mm, awesome. And we'll link that in the show notes for anybody that wants to, uh, you know, check you out and get started. Um, I, w- I want to talk about the birth of, of that, uh, yeah. kind of like how you got into all of this, right? Cause you're bringing the, you're bringing the golden nuggets, you're dropping so much value. And I know that this didn't just happen overnight for you, right? You're definitely an expert in your field and I'm sure it took you some time to get there. So let's go like way back. First off, how did you become like a video nerd? Is this something you've always been passionate about or like, did you just stumble upon it one day? Like, let's walk back. Yeah. So a lot of it was, a lot of it was, I stumbled into it. Uh, I got my start in 1997, 1998. This was before online video was a thing. Uh, this was before Facebook. This was before MySpace, Friendster. This was before, this was almost before Google. Um, and my first job was working in a public access TV station. I was the person, I was, I was cheap labor at 15, 16 years old. And I was manning a camera for a, a public access TV, st- a PV, TV show. And if you've ever seen public access TV, it's got off. I don't even know if it still exists anymore. But I got my start in video by doing that and by editing video. And back then, video editing was completely different than it is today. Without getting too technical, it was just a lot different. It's a lot easier now to make video. And uh, I fell in love with the content creation side of making content. I love being in front of a camera, but I also like artistically and creatively making content. And back then, business video was not online. It was you made videos for uh, boardroom presentations. You made them for sales presentations. You made them for uh, company promos that they would show at an event. Or you made them for weddings or funerals. This is how video was consumed in, in not that long ago. And that's how I got my start. Fast forward a few years, uh, I got my, one of my very first big boy jobs was I was an insurance agent. And in, since 2005, I was working in the insurance industry. And so for me, I, you know, having started my first business, my first actual business going from employee to employer in 2012, I started a, an insurance agency with zero dollars in the bank and zero customers on the books. I had to figure out a way to get more business, to, to make more money, to have revenue and to tell my story. And so for me, I started relying on my ability to make video content. And so I went from freelancer to now having to put this into practice for my own business. And so, you know, long were the days where I, you know, I, 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 you know, I couldn't, I didn't have the money to eat anything because I was dumping money into other things and into a business. And so my, 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 my dinner regimen was popcorn and popsicles. And so I had to learn very quickly how to actually, you know, have a job, you know, and leave the safety net of being just a W2 employee and now being an employer and running a business. And so I had to figure out a way to do that. For me, I, I started to get really head over heels and go down. Just, I went far down the rabbit trail on marketing on how to take what I knew from a technical standpoint and to marry that to the creative standpoint and the marketing standpoint. And so just reading books, 
following you know, instructors, having mentors, and really being a practitioner and putting things into practice, falling down, scraping my knee, figuring out what didn't work and having to get back on the bicycle and do it all over again because, you know, with the wife at home and then at that time, just, you know, one child, now I got two kids, I had to figure out a way to put food on the table. And so there was, there was no opportunity to fail here. I mean, it was either we fail, we, you know, we got to go stand in the soup kitchen line. And that wasn't something that I was really prepared to do. And so I had to figure it out. So for me, that's how I got my start in the mar- video marketing aspect is it started on content creation and then it, ha- it's, it became this, how do I use video now to actually make money and tell the right story, have the right message and attract more customers? Mm. Dude, I, I got to say, man, um, you don't look a day over 21, dude. <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> you're doing something right, man. I mean, you say you've been in the game since 97, 98. I'm almost, uh, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, you know, I'm not that far off from 40. So I'm 38 years old. And, dude, um, yeah. I'm, I'm calling bullshit, but <laughs> I'll tell you. Hey, hey we, we got the license right <laughs> you here. You got the proof. No, uh, dude, no, you, you, you're doing something good, my man. I hope, I hope I retain this youthfulness. Yeah, man. I tell people it, 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 it does, it does hurt me a little bit because of perception because a lot of people think that and, and you know it's not a lot of people take who they perceive to be you know young kids they don't take them too serious um and so that was an obstacle that i've i've, I've had to overcome and, you know kind of normal at this point but you know i tell my wife if if i'm 60 and i look like i'm 40 then we're then we're really doing something good <laughs> you know so. yeah man uh so i i want to i want to touch on a few points that that you made there so you 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 talked about not being able to really spend money on, you know, expensive dinners and lavish things because you were dumping your money into, into your business. Yeah, into anything, really. And you were eating popcorn and popsicles. You know, not a lot of people, Nicholas, are willing to go through that. And honestly, like people, they want to be entrepreneurs. They want to be successful. They want to be like the guys that make seven figures, eight figures, but they're not willing to go through that grind time. And sometimes it's necessary. I mean, even myself, I used to sleep on an air mattress. Almost all the time. It's been Yeah, exactly. So what would you tell that person that, you know, wants to get started, but they're not willing to struggle necessarily? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's a mindset switch. So for me, Rosh, you ever been punched in the mouth? Once. You ever I had to taste your own? Sucked. You ever had to taste? You ever had to taste your own blood? <laughs> yes. Right. You know, there's something weird that happens when you get popped in the mouth and you taste your own blood. You're gonna do one of two things. You're either gonna tuck tail and run and give up, surrender, you know, cry uncle, or you're gonna get really pissed, mm. right? And you're gonna do something about it. And there, I'm not here to you know advocate or anything. What I'm saying is that those are two normal human reactions. For me, I got popped in the mouth. I was working a job. I was a good W-2 employee. So the year 20, uh, 2011, I was working for somebody else. And I was, at the time, I was the number one salesperson in the entire Northern, I was, I'm originally from Northern California, from, in the Northern California market for a large company, large company. Started doing my own marketing, right? And the company, the corporation didn't like it. They didn't like it because they couldn't control it. They couldn't, you know, manage it. And they wanted me to remove it. They wanted me to stop doing what I was doing. Keep in mind, I'm the number one salesperson in the company in that entire North state. Lots of people, lots of employees in that, in that area. They said, no, you know, you can't do this. I said, well, I'm not taking it down. They said, well, we're going to fire you. And I said, well, you know, I'm in my mid-20s at that point. Good luck, right? It's the normal reaction of most 20-year-olds. The corporation didn't care. They gave me my pink slip. Got popped in the mouth. Mm. I remember driving home um, to my wife in the middle of the day. And I remember thinking to myself, I will never work for somebody else ever again for as long as I live. I will never, ever put myself in that situation where... I don't care how safe I feel. I don't care how secure I feel. I don't care what it is. I'm done working for somebody else. Mm. And 
already feeling, already having, having the disposition of someone who's a little bit more, I don't want to say rebellious, but just being a contrarian by nature. I just said, I'd rather eat turd than, you know, work for somebody else. I don't care what it costs. And that's how my journey into entrepreneurship began. To this day, I mean, I, I own and I run five different companies. So I, I, and I'm, they're all pretty diverse from one another, from software to trade associations to brick and mortar to uh, info product and education and consulting to, you know, a lot, to an, an apparel company. So I'm, for me, once you get the bug that you're like, I've got to make my own way and I've got to make this happen. You know, there's, there's got to be a light switch that flips. And, and you know, it's hard. I, 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 if, if, if I could get this without any struggle or any adversity, you know, adversity, that'd be great. That's a good gig if you can get it, but it's not too common. And if you want to, if you, you know, the people that have the drive to really keep going and really push the boundaries, do so because they're just not satisfied. And they're so scared. To me, I'm scared to death of having to work for somebody else. I feel pretty confident at this point in my life, I'll never have to work for somebody else. But there's still that, that fear. There's still that, like, I'm trying to put as much distance between me and the HR department as, as humanly possible. Like, I don't even want to engage with one. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what I, what I do, where I go, what I accomplish in life, like, that is still something that is, like, you're, you're almost, like, it's like PTSD and you just don't want to go back there. And so you'll do whatever it takes to, to not. And most entrepreneurs, and you're right, most entrepreneurs don't have that. And that's fine. Like I, the world needs plenty of employees. Like for every one entrepreneur, there's employees, right? That that entrepreneur leads or manages. And there's nothing wrong with it. Not everybody should be an entrepreneur. Some people should be employees. I mean, and sometimes, you, you, you know, when you, when you find that, we've had it good for, for a number of years. And we're going to start to see now, I believe, the realization, the thinning of the herd, you're going to start to see, you know, the people who didn't do things the right way, or at least don't have it where it counts, and they'll go back to doing whatever they need to do. And fair play to them, you know. Um, I look for people to hire. And so I think most business owners do. And there's no shame in that. But you've got you've to, to know what you're made of, you've got to get hit in the mouth at least once. Mm. Dude, powerful stuff, man. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. It's that the feeling of this can all be taken away from me, right? Like I can yeah. look at all of this and I can go back to what I, what I was doing before right. that, I, that I grew to dislike doing. And I really like being an entrepreneur. I really like being my own boss. I really like having my freedom. But this can all be taken away, right? For sure. And, uh, it, you know, it's that constant drive to keep going and keep creating and keep growing bigger, uh, which is what it's all about, man. It's actually one of the things I love most about entrepreneurship is that it's up to you to create. It's up to you to perform, right? It's up to your businesses to do well, uh, I'm a, you know, so it, yeah, it, it's I'm, a I mean, good feeling at the same time, you know, it's kind of scary at times. I'm a big uh, I'm a big combat sports fan, so I love boxing and I love MMA. And you know, there's a saying uh, in the boxing world that, and you know, if it, if, if boxing was easy, you know, if they didn't have to endure struggle, like everybody would be champion. But there's not. There's only one, usually one champion in theory. And this, and the saying is is that champions aren't made in the ring. That's just where they get recognized. Champions are made every single day in the gym mm. and you've got to, you've got to take your lumps and you've got to, you've got to put in the work. If you want to be recognized in the ring, champions aren't made, you know, just in a moment when, when, when the referee raises their hands, that's not when a champion is made. A champion was made in training camp. A champion was made, you know, in the years of struggle and sacrifice. I, I, I was doing video for 20 years before I felt comfortable mm. with major league video marketing. And so, you know, whatever you put an emphasis on, whatever is valuable to you, you put daily attention towards. And whether it's brushing your teeth or your business, whatever you value, you've got to put daily attention into. And for most people, they have to learn how to run 
a good business. They have to learn how to be a better marketer. They have to learn how to be a better leader. They have to learn how to be, how to run a better business. They have to learn, they have to learn these things. And it comes by putting attention towards it and actually getting yourself, you know, a little dirty there. Mm, absolutely, man. I want to talk about your aha moment when you started your first company. How did you know when it was going to be successful? Like, how did you know, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I can make this work. I know I don't want to work for somebody else, but like, this is it. I can actually do this. What did that look like for you? I would say it's when I, so uh, one part I didn't add to the story originally is when I first launched my business, I didn't, I had to, you know, I had to put food on the table. And so, you know, all the money was coming in from my, from my business I was putting back into the business, right, in revenue, right? So I did have to work another job at night. I worked as a process server uh, right outside the city of Oakland. I don't know if you know what a process server's job is like in the city of Oakland. But a process server is essentially the people that knock on your door, they give you eviction notices or lawsuit papers or whatever. And now, for those of you who can't see me, I'm six foot six, I'm lanky. I'm white and I'm goofy. So, and I don't know what you know about the city of Oakland, but what I had to do is I had to go at night and you had to do this like at nine, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. Cause a lot of times you're serving tweakers. And so you'd have to go to these areas and you would have to knock on their door and serve them paper. Now for, for most people, the joke was, you know, you see somebody like me come to the neighborhood, they're either a cop or a process server. And so like you had to, you had to get over that. So for me, it, the, the aha moment is when I was able to quit that job and focus 100% on the business. Wasn't enough to, you know, we weren't Scrooge McDuck swimming in a vault of coins, but we, you know, we were able to pay our bills and we were able to, you know, elevate ourselves just a little bit to where we felt a level of comfort to where we could now, uh, you know, say, this is, this is, this is the direction that we're going in. So I'm curious, did you have to wear any disguises like uh, no. the pineapple? <laughs> I thought, I thought about it. I thought about it because, you know, most people, it's, it's weird when, you, when people know they're getting sued, they don't really want to answer the door. Uh, and when they see me come to the neighborhood, you know, they're, you know they, they definitely don't want to come to the door. And so uh, I thought about doing the pizza guy thing. I thought about being a UPS driver. I thought about all kinds of stuff. Um, but no, wow, I, I, man. I, so a, a, a process server. That's, yeah. that's incredible. What, what was the craziest thing or one of the craziest things that, that happened while serving papers? Um, well, there's a few, I mean, so you're doing this at night and you're doing it in towns and cities and neighborhoods that are not safe. They're just not. Yeah. I, I know very low. some parts of Oakland get dicey, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I, I get it. I get it. Just the Bay Area, right? So it's, um, and I was dumb. Like, I was really dumb. I, so I would work all day long uh, in my business, and then I would do this at night. And I had a wife, and I had not even like a six-month-old. And so I had the stupid idea of like, babe, just come with me and just ride along. You know, and that's how we'll spend time together. Because other than that, I was working 16, 17, 18-hour days. So there was, no, there was like my only time to see my family. And so... In hindsight, that's a really stupid idea to take your, you know, your wife and baby out with you to go serve papers in like not very good neighborhoods. But, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? And so, I mean, I had people show up to doors with their dogs. I had them show up uh, with, you know, with firearms and weapons. I would say, man, I'm just, I'm just a messenger. Like this is just a job for me. Like I, I'm, no I don't shit. even know you. I don't even care to know you. You know, you've, you've seen people pull guns. Yeah, they come. They come to the door with it. Yeah, these are people I have nothing to lose, right? Yeah. And so, you know, you're giving them an eviction notice, right? You know, they don't. A, yeah, you're not so, the person they want to see. What, what, I'm what, not the. What I'm did they pay like that? How much were you getting paid to do this? Ten dollars a sir, uh, paper. Ten dollars a paper. Bucks. And how many papers would you deliver a night? Uh, successfully, five or six. So you're making like 50, 60 bucks a night doing this. 50, 60 bucks a night doing it six or seven days a week. Jeez. Did that, I, did that for about, I did that for the first nine months of my business. Mm. But you were willing to do whatever it took, man. 
Oh, it was either. Yeah, it was either. I mean, I, I was thinking, okay, I can, I can do this or I could try to sell a kidney. I mean, one of the two. So, I mean, I have to, I, I you know, I better, have to, better to serve papers than sell a kidney. Yeah. I mean, I've got, but, to, you know, oh, and that, what, what year was this, by the way? 2012, 2013. Okay. So this is obviously pre Uber, Uber Eats uh, yeah. era, like as big as it is now. Yeah. You know, nowadays, it's a lot easier for people to go out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get Uber Eats. I mean, I live on Uber Eats and everybody works at home. So, yeah. you know, I get carne asada delivered to me almost three or four times a week with Uber yeah. Eats. Yeah. That was, if that was around in 2012. <laughs> a lot safer delivering tacos than delivering. I can, I, can keep, I can keep my kidneys. I can keep my <laughs> liver. And, you know, I can keep my, my safety for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, dude, I, I love it, man. But that, that's, that's what makes the 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 success so much better is knowing what it took to get there right knowing that it wasn't just handed to you you remember yeah, those times yeah. when life wasn't so amazing and yeah you know sometimes it gets grim i mean i'm sure you had those moments where even though you had that business you started that business maybe you didn't really see the light at the end of the tunnel like things were like uh, is this really going to work out the way i want it to work out Bro, that's why I start other companies because I'm, 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 I mean, it's, it's like a part of me that is, you know, again, going back to that, I want to put as much distance between me and the other HR department as possible, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to rely on anybody. Uh, it's that, and I, you know, I think I'm part Jamaican, like I got to have like 12 jobs, but it's, you know, it's, what, once you have that, 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 that taste or that smell in your nostrils, you're like, I don't, it's so recognizable and you just want to do whatever you can to, to avoid it. Mm. So when did you quit that job serving papers? 2013. 2000. So you, you didn't do it for too long, right? No, I did it for nine months. What made you quit? I was at a place where I was, I felt, I don't want to say the word confident or comfortable, but I just, I felt like if I was just to devote that much more time into the, into the business businesses I was doing, that we could start to see more traction. We started to see more traction. So, so your businesses started making money. They started making money. They started getting, they started elevating. And so I felt like I could actually now um, make this the only thing I do. And it, again, we weren't making millions, but I didn't have to work. I didn't have to do other gigs. Mm. Let's talk about that. In your opinion, how would somebody know when they can quit their job and go all in on their business? I don't know that you ever know. I mean, like I didn't make the decision going, yes, this is you know, one plus one is two here. Like you just gotta do it. Mm. And you should always exercise a level of wisdom. You should also talk to people that you trust and that can speak into your life and have a platform to, to, to provide quality mentorship to you, whatever that is. I don't care if it's a parent. I don't care if it's a rabbi. I don't care if it's a neighbor. I don't care who it is. Somebody you trust who's maybe been down the road a little bit uh, as, has, has their own little scars, but at some point you just got, you've got to do it. If, if you're going to make this journey, I mean, I mean, birds drop their, their, their kid, their, their, their little baby chicks out of the, out of the nest for a reason. It's either you're going to fly or you're not. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm sure the mama bird doesn't just drop them out if they don't, if they don't in their, if they don't think that they're going to make it, but they already have a confidence that it's going to work. And so, we're going to test it. We're going to see. I love and it, I man. always knew that if it didn't work no more, and I wasn't addressing, I wasn't approaching things like it wasn't going to work, but I knew that, you know, in a, in a practical sense that if I had to go get another job, I could, would I enjoy it? No, but you got to do what you got to do. But, um, like I just found that if I just took the first step that I could take a second step, if I take mm. a second step, I could take a third step. And that's just how you have to approach it. And that's, that's made all the difference for you, you know, yeah. taking that step. And for the listeners out there, if you're right now on the cusp and you haven't gotten started yet, my friends, get started. Please get started because it's always better to start sooner than later, right? It's, yeah. it's always better. Like, get started. Um, you know, just like you said, man, like, you had to take that first step to get to that second step. You can't climb a flight of stairs unless you take that first step. And there's too many people out there right now that 
want to do big things. They don't want to work for somebody else for their whole life. They don't want to fall into the 40-40-40 trap. They know that they're destined for more. They just don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it, right? Like for you, video is is something you're passionate about. You got, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, you have the equipment, you're, you, that's your hobby. Not everybody has that though, man. Not everybody knows what they want to do. Not everybody knows what they're passionate about. What would you tell somebody that wants to be an entrepreneur, but they have no idea what they want to do? Well, I would, one, I would question why they want to be an entrepreneur, number one. Um, you, if you're telling me you want to be an entrepreneur, but you have no direction in your life, I would say that's a good start, but you know, we need to get some direction. And to me, direction comes by way of exposure. I, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, I have other companies that I have. The reason I got in those companies is because I was exposed to them and I liked it. And so exposure is going to open up a lot more opportunities for you. And so I would say dabble to begin. Start, start figuring out what it is you have. Start to evaluate, you know, what, what the market needs. Mm. You know, we're in a time, I don't know when this episode's going to air, but we're right now, as we record this, you know, you have people who question whether or not they should be marketing their business because of, you know, coronavirus. I tell people, people are always buying. You just got to sell what they're buying. And so that's what you need to do as well. You need to evaluate. Once you start to find an interest, you start to find something that you gravitate towards, whether it's strategic, technical, creative, um, whatever the case might be, find what you're gravitating towards and then start to evaluate what the need is and let the market dictate if you have a, a solution or not, because, you know, you, you can make something, but the market isn't ready for it or the, the, the market doesn't want it. You've got to figure out what people are buying and you've got to effectively sell that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the idea that I'm going to passionately love everything that I do all the time is false. I don't passionately love everything that I do, but I do it because a, I mean, I can, and B, because there's a greater purpose out there for me. And that's to, you know, and they're over in the other room right now. And I've got to take care of them. Right? There's responsibilities. There's people that count on me. I have employees. I have family. I think this notion, I don't, I, and maybe this is controversial or not, this notion that I have to love what I do all the time is garbage. Sometimes you've got to do work. And work isn't always the most enjoyable. But it's required. You know, we talk about that, that flight of stairs. So many people want to go from the ground to the top of the stairs and they want to skip every step in between. And that's not how success works. There are certain steps that suck. There are certain steps that are great. And, that's, and both are, are just what you need in the process. You know, if you want to be, if you want to be, if you want to be the product, you've got to enjoy the process. Always doesn't matter what it is. Sometimes the process is grueling and it's not enjoyable. And that's just what it takes. You have to figure out what is, what is the greater thing that I'm trying to achieve here. For me, it's security for my family. It's, it's family tree. That's, that's me. That's not everybody. I'm not t- saying it has to be everybody. That's me. And so for my family tree, I've got to look for opportunities. The A I like that I gravitate towards naturally, but then also just need to get done. And I think if you have that mindset, then you know, you, I, I definitely think you should do something you like. You shouldn't do something you hate, but this notion that you're always going to love it, I think is uh, not, it's more utopian. It's not reality. I agree. hundred percent. Yeah. Passion doesn't always pay, man. Like that's no. just reality. No. Passion doesn't always pay. The market pays. Boom. The market pays. I agree. And so I can have a passion for a lot of things, but there's no market for it. If there's more, no market for it, guess what? No one's buying it. If there's no one buying it, I'm not making any money. So I can love, you know, underwater basket weaving, but if no one wants to buy what I, what I make, then who cares? And so, you know, you can find passion in a lot of things. It's like this idea that, um, uh, you know, I can, I can learn to love anybody because if I can let a dog lick my face, I can let whatever, like I can, I can, I can learn to love anything. <laughs> and so uh, just find what you're good at naturally find out where your, your, your mind naturally has an inclination towards, you know, whether it's problem solving, 
whether, and these are broad things, right? Problem solving or analyzing or uh, encouragement, like any of those things, like you find those big, those big broad brush strokes and then begin to niche down within that. And I think you can have opportunity. Mm, dude, so much value right there. So many gold nuggets. Thank you so much for sharing that, man. I want to yeah. switch gears up here and talk about the future, right? Snap the fingers. We're 10 years in the future. What are you doing? What does your empire look like? Uh, your, what does your operation look like? Hopefully in 10 years, hopefully my kids are, you know, at that time they're 17 and they are uh, 14 or 15. Uh, hopefully in 10 years, I'm, they've already, we've already been grooming them. And that's my passion at that point. In 10 years, we have enough money that money is uh, no longer a necessity, like a, we're, we're comfortable, right? And we live very modest in our means. I mean, the salary that I take for my own business is very modest. But hopefully at that point, I'm grooming my two sons to, to start, you know, to, to, uh, on their journey. That, that to me is fulfillment. Mm. Um, I'd like to be able to, I, I, what point, for me, at what point is building something if I have nobody to give it to? And so in 10 years, I'll be, you know, 48. The, the necessity to grind as much is going to be more out of hobby and uh, fun. But really where I'm going to find my fulfillment is having my two boys. And, what, and I'm not going to force them into anything, but I'm grooming them to be quality men. Mm. We don't make quality, you know, in my opinion, qual quality men are lacking. Our society has, it doesn't, it doesn't cater towards making quality men. And that's because we've had really good times and they're, you know, that's great. But I'm hoping that they find their, they, they have a sense of, of struggle too. You know, mm. I want that for their, for their well-being, for their quality of life. Because if they just grow up having everything given to them, that's not what I want. I, mean, I want them to have and I want to provide, but I want them to also know what it's like to get popped in the mouth. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's healthy. It's good for them. And yes. it's going to show them what they're made out of. And so whatever they, whether they want to be, whether they, whether they want to be on a stage or whether they want to be behind a microphone or whether they want to work on cars, I want, I want to be able to channel that and, and make, and let them go in that direction. Boom. That's important, man. I, I agree with you, brother. Like I just had my first one three months ago. Nice. Uh, you know, whatever path she chooses in life, that's of course up to her, but mm -hmm. I can already uh, agree that I want her to know that it's not all rainbows and unicorns and you want to provide rainbows and unicorns. yeah like that that that's natural as a parent. yeah of like course of course but it's not it's not always easy basically right. right like she needs to know that there's another side yes you know to things and that's why in life i'm gonna go drop my kids off in hard. oakland yeah i'm gonna go drop my kids off in oakland <laughs> say, you got say, it yeah say, come find me that's it, man. Dude, I used to deliver food for a living, like for a pizza joint. I know I can relate to you, man. Like looking back, it's those, those moments and, and that time of our life that really humbles us, right? Mm. To be so grateful for what we have today because yeah. it wasn't always like that for, for you. It wasn't always like that for me. And, right. you know, and a lot of people uh, will find that out themselves. Right. And, uh, you know, they but, find uh, it out one way or the other, you know, that's, I, that's it, man. I, that's, I think the, 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 the biggest fear of mine is wasted potential, right? Like I'm definitely afraid of not doing the things I know that I can do mm. and being like 75 years old and saying, well, fuck, I should have done all those things. And I yeah, have regret. Yeah, exactly. Like that's the thing that keeps me going every single day is like, Mm. you know so but uh nicholas i ask every guest the same question on the show i'd like to ask you as well if that's okay in your entire life what has been the best advice you've ever received Ooh, best advice i've ever received man that's that's a that's a hard one because 
I'm fortunate to be surrounded by and have been surrounded by really good people. Um, and I've joined up with really good people who've given me good advice. Try to find one that sticks out is that's tough. Um, mm. Best advice. Pull one out the hat, my man. Give it to us. Uh, really, I, I, you, you got to love people. As an entrepreneur, you got to love people. People are your business. You're in the people business always. I don't care if you're folding towels at a hospital or you're doing Uber Eats. You're in the people business. So you got to love people. If you don't love people, you're gonna, it's going to be a hard sledding for you mm. going forward. Love you gotta people. love people. You don't have to love all the stuff that they do, but you gotta have a desire. If we talk about passion and, and, and loving what you do, you don't have to necessarily love what you do, but you gotta love why you're doing it. And you're doing it because you're in the people business. And then mm. people who find themselves and they, they, they have that mindset, they can persevere and they can keep going and they can have better levels of success. My man, love people. Great advice right there. Uh, and with that being said, Nicholas, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show, man. You brought so much fucking value, dude. Unbelievable. Uh, I know the people are going to want to hit you up, man. They're going to yeah. want to, you know, hit your website up. They're going to want to connect with you, pick your brain, and give you some feedback on the show, of course. What's the best place for them to do that? Uh, best place for them to do that, if they want to visit my website, I know we, we talked about it earlier, majorlookvideo.com, but really one of the best places to get a hold of me is my YouTube channel. Uh, go, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, uh, comment on any video, hit me up, send me a message, whatever you want to do. That's the best place to, to get my attention is on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com. Uh, just search Nicholas Ayers, my name, and you'll find me. Boom. And we'll link that in the show notes, of course. Dude, enjoy the rest of your, uh, your Friday, brother, and your Absolutely, weekend. Man, you too. Uh, can't wait to stay uh, connected, man, and see what's next for you, brother. Thanks again. Awesome, man. All right. All right, all right, my friends. And that wraps up episode 19 of the Started Somewhere show. Thank you so much to everybody for joining in. And a big thank you to Nicholas for stopping by and giving us so much value and such an inspirational story. Now we're going to keep the content rolling, my friends. So make sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Give us some feedback. And of course, we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.